Welcome to Science for Parliament. This is the first podcast which aims to foster the relationship between science and decision makers and show how research and innovation are vital to the equitable and sustainable functioning of our societies and economies. And from now on, it will be presented by Dennis Nocton, who is a directly elected MP in Ireland. For the last 26 years, he served as an Irish cabinet minister and also on the Council of the European Union of Ministers. So he is chairperson of the Interparliamentary Union Working Group on Science and Technology, which is based in Geneva. And its aims are to inspire global parliamentary action through legislative work in the field of science and technology. So the next five episodes in the podcast will be with the Science Foundation researchers who were seconded to the Irish Parliament Library and Research Service as part of the SFI, which is the Science Foundation of Ireland Public Service Fellowship Programme. They're going to be telling us all about the research and their experiences in Parliament. That is going to be hosted by Deputy Nocton, but we thought it was only fair that the host has the microphone turned on him to set the scene and tell us why he got involved in trying to bring science to work with him. And to add something different to the conversation, the deputy has been asked to pick two numbers, each of which are related to one of ten random questions, and he might be asked some of those during the interview. So if you don't mind, Deputy Nocton, I'm going to ask you to pick two numbers between one and ten. Can I pick three and eight? You can indeed. Three and eight. We'll keep those in mind for later. So, first of all, how are you? I'm fine. Uh, I'm getting used to being uh, on the other side of the microphone for, for a change, but I'm being put under the thumb screws again today on the receiving end of questions. So, if you don't mind, can I first ask you, um, where did your passion for science come from? Well, I suppose, look, I uh, grew up on my family farm at home uh, in uh, County Roscommon in the middle of Ireland. Uh, as I tell my uh, colleagues that I meet internationally, uh, the constituency that I represent of Roscommon Galway uh, has, I think, more sheep than it does uh, people, uh, definitely in the uh, southern part of that constituency. And I suppose growing up on a farm, you see life, uh, you see th- how things work. And I suppose that was always uh, there subconsciously in my mind. And I think when I went to secondary school then and started to learn about science, chemistry, biology and physics, it really gave me a, a love for it. Hmm. So then you got into politics um, and how did you then relate politics back to science or was it always something that was in the back of your mind? Not really. I suppose for me, um, when you're trained as a scientist, you train to think differently. Uh, and I think that was something that has always stood to me uh, throughout my parliamentary career. But I recall being on the front bench of the, the main opposition party. So a shadow uh, minister for different various departments. And we would sit on a weekly basis around uh, the, the shadow cabinet table. And I found myself uh, arguing on, on a regular basis regarding the approach that was being taken in relation to politics uh, and policy. And it got to such an extent that I actually considered uh, throwing in the towel and giving up politics altogether because clearly I was uh, at odds with all of my colleagues. Until one day I was sitting around the table and I realised that I was the only scientifically trained individual around the table. 
everyone else was humanities trained and they could only look at problems in a particular dimension and perspective. Whereas as scientists, you're taught to problem solve. You're taught to try and look at problems from different perspectives. And the penny dropped with me that that was the reason why I was arguing with them. So I had to make more of an effort to try and explain my approach and my perspective to Mm. things. I suppose politicians like anybody else aren't just politicians. They're, as it was in your case, a scientist, um, a humanitarian, mother, father. So they're bringing all that to it. But you were the only one that was bringing science. Yes, I was. And I suppose, look, the, the one thing that every member of parliament brings to the table is the view and perspective of their constituents. And we all are have those glasses on in terms of anything and any proposal that comes before us. How does this impact on the people that I represent? Not necessarily the people that vote for me or the people that live in my constituency, but society as a whole. And that is always the first test and the first question. How do we bring this to the public? How do we explain it to the public? Where's the benefit for them uh, in relation Mm. to it? But I suppose you're talking there of your constituents, that even if constituents want something done for their benefit, they will assume in most cases that whatever is done will be in everybody's benefit or is based on the best knowledge. So people would assume that policy is based on science. Yes, and and, and I'm sure they Mm. would assume that. But I suppose having served in cabinet, having served in the most technically challenging department in government and served uh, at EU level, that is not always the case. Um, Sometimes there are ethical issues that come into it. Sometimes there are policy issues or ethos within a particular party that come into the development of policy. A lot of the time, it goes back to what is in the original party manifesto of the political parties that are in government. They are then used to draft the programme for government, which is the policy document that all governments operate on uh, in Ireland. And that really taints a lot of the approach that's taken with regard to political issues and policy issues. And a lot of the time, particularly in coalition governments, there are compromises in relation to that in terms of what the final policy is. Mm. And I was talking to to scientists recently uh, and I made the point to them that on a lot of occasions, the scientific evidence that gets greatest credence is the one that it has been clearly communicated to the politicians. So it may not be the best possible advice. It may not be even the right advice, but it's the one that's been clearly uh, communicated. And I was trying to explain to them that whole concept. And I said, take this. If you go home from work in the evening and all the ingredients are left out uh, on the counter for a meal and there's no recipe or there's also a meal just prepared, which one are you going to eat? You're Hmm. going to eat the one that's already there and prepared for you. So that's what scientists need to do. There's no point giving us the ingredients and tell us you work that out from there. They actually need to prepare uh, the meal for us and explain to us how they prepared Mm. that meal. Mm. That's the key thing. I suppose politicians, like a lot of the rest of us, are under time pressure. 
always under time pressure. So like that, if you get something that's easily understandable, it mightn't be exactly correct, mightn't be exactly what you want. But if you can understand it and it fits the bill, I suppose that is. What yeah. And, and politicians are hugely time poor, mm. um, you know, on any one day uh, you would conservatively been dealing with maybe 20 different very various issues, varied issues from constituency issues to policy issues to legislative issues, you know, and, and other issues mm. that come up on a day to day basis. So you can't be across everything and you will look and try and consume the information that is as clear as possible to mm. you and supports the case and argument that you're trying to make or the approach in relation to the piece of policy or legislation. Mm. And I suppose you don't have time to actually go and find the expert or go and find what you're looking for in the first place because, I mean, there's so much information out there. So what do politicians need from the scientists? Well, look, to be quite honest with you, I've spoken with quite a number of politicians recently uh, and probably the single most effective tool that they use is Google to try and get uh, information and then try and verify the source uh, of that whether it's a credible journalist, whether it's coming from a particular credible university and so forth, looking at the author of a news article or the uh, university that actually generated the research to see the credibility uh, with regard to it, rather than actually delving into the detail of evidence. And I think what academics need to do is to look at how they could clearly explain what they want to do with their research to their grandmother. They can explain it to their grandmother in simple terms. They'll be able to explain it to politicians and they need to do that. As my former constituency colleague and former prime minister in Ireland, uh, Albert Reynolds, used to say, keep it to one page. So your podcast is going to be about researchers who came in to the houses of the Oireachtas to talk to politicians. Do you think that initiatives like that are helpful? Yes. Look, I think what we need to do is to get the conversation going between scientists and uh, members of parliament. Members of parliament are vitally important in terms of the whole decision making process, because look at the moment, there are unprecedented challenges out there today or wicked challenges, climate change, pandemics, artificial intelligence. So there are huge questions ethical issues, policy issues, legislative issues that we all have to deal with as members of parliament in passing new laws, uh, adopting new policy approaches and also providing and approving the funding uh, for government departments and agencies to deliver on that. So we need to know these issues. We need to be able to understand them. And the only way we can really do that is to be able to have a very open and frank conversation with scientists. And I think if we can actually get them to sit down around the one table, having the cup of coffee, then scientists will understand what politicians and members of parliament need from them in mm. terms of simple language and understandable concepts. And members of parliament will understand what wealth of information is there by asking the right questions. Mm. So the, the overall aim of this podcast, what would you say that is? The overall aim of this podcast is serendipity. Love this uh, is hopefully to try and whet the appetite of both members of parliament and scientists across the globe to actually start that engagement, to think about how scientists and academics 
can break their research down into simple, understandable concepts that can relate to real people and make a real impact in society and how uh, members of parliament can start that conversation with the scientists to give them an understanding and appreciation of the policy issues, the challenges, the issues that they're facing from a legislative point of view, but also from a representational point of view, because ultimately we will look at all of these issues through the perspective of how does this impact on the people we represent in society uh, as a whole. Okay, so I asked you at the beginning to numbers and they relate to questions. So I'm just going to jump back a little bit and I will pick one of those questions, which is, have you ever lost your car in a car park? Yes, I have. Uh, I've lost my car in the uh, car park at Dublin Airport, which is a very, very big car park, multi-storey car park. And I spent half an hour walking around the car park trying to find uh, the car, pressing the button until out of the corner of my eye, I seen lights flashing in the uh, adjoining uh, multi-storey car park and realised that I was in the wrong block. Well, just as well. I picked it up from that far away. (laughs) Uh, And nowadays, you never know, AI could find it for you. Maybe it might have to. (laughs) So to go back to podcasts that are coming up, um, what do we have to look forward to? So look, I'm going to be talking to people that have come into the Irish Parliament and produced a piece of work where they have taken their research field and area and produced a publication that has been specifically targeted at consumption by members of parliament and the public in fields like law tech, uh, e-health, artificial intelligence, drones and geothermal energy. And what all of these researchers have been asked to do is to scope out the field at the moment, what the emerging issues are uh, and what are the policy and ethical issues and challenges uh, that members of parliament have to address in terms of maximising the opportunities that arise in terms of these particular technologies for society, for our economy, but also balance that against the risks and what protections need to be put in place to ensure that those risks do not become a reality. So I suppose research like this has gone on the whole time and there's a lot of time, energy, money that goes into it. So really the onus is on both sides to make sure that each other knows about it because otherwise... What's the point? Well, look, I think the frustrating thing about all of this is that the one thing that scientists and uh, researchers have in common is that they are all trying to solve problems that will impact on the lives of people on a day to day basis. But we don't speak uh, the same language. And going back to that point I made regarding having the ingredients versus serving up uh, a meal, people will consume the meal far quicker. So communication Mm -hmm. is key in relation to this. And in an environment where we have an ever increasing amount of of information, evidence that is clearly presented uh, and that advice will take on far greater significance Mm -hmm. than by far the most cutting edge research in the world that is not being communicated to politicians. And that is vitally important. And I think if we can get science and 
along with our practical knowledge as practicing members of parliament, then I think we can deliver on a whole broad range of cross-cutting objectives. Breaking down the policy silos that are there across government departments, which of course is probably the single biggest objective as set out with the sustainable development goals, is to try and address these policy silos that don't solve the big challenges that we're facing in our own countries and right across the globe. And I suppose, as you said, everybody's aim is to make life better for humanity. So we have to try to do that. So we have to communicate. Yeah, we have to try and communicate and we have to try and do it in a manner that people can understand the concepts. And I think, you know, the members of parliament in the United Kingdom were asked a couple of years ago, you know, what are the factors that they take into account in uh, using research? One, it's the credibility uh, of the source. Secondly, it's the relevance of that research to the work that they're doing. But the third most important thing was time, the ease Mm. of use of that information and the ease of sourcing uh, that information. And that's where the scientists really need to help us. Well, thank you so much, Deputy Nocton, for talking to me. And we really look forward to your podcast. And if anybody wants to have a listen to the Science and Policy Ireland podcast, you can find them wherever you get your podcasts.